So going back to identity, it's like it's seeking love and validation from others. And I believe that's that's emptiness. Where we swap it out is I believe fulfillment is giving that same love and validation that we're seeking directly to ourselves first and therefore attracting the love and validation that we want from others. Because the idea here is like we were talking about what you can control, what you can't. You can't control other people loving you. You can't. You can influence it, but you can't fully control it. But you can control loving yourself first. Welcome back or welcome to the Off-Ball Podcast. My name is Martin Reeder. I'm a 2012 Beach Volleyball Olympian, performance coach, and someone who wants to have better, more meaningful, deeper conversations around what it means to be an athlete. The goal here is to expose life lessons and share as elders would around a fire. This is about mentorship. This is about being vulnerable, being authentic, and having athletes and coaches and trailblazers discuss their pain points, talk about things they're focusing on, really share life lessons in a way that's going to benefit the next generation. We're not hiding secrets here. We're not coming from a place of weakness. This is about truly benefiting the greater good and hopefully giving the athletes that are taking our places on the world stage the information that will help them supersede us to excel within sport, but to also increase their meaning and fulfillment outside of it. This is where off the ball comes in. We're so focused on stats on ball, time on ball, training on ball, but there's so many more opportunities to contribute to the game of life when you don't have the ball. We're talking about habits. We're talking about who you are as a human being, how you validate yourself. How do you go about your day-to-day intentionally and then practice? Who are you? How do you define yourself off the ball so that when you do have the ball, you're better with it? And today's conversation is with a very close friend of mine, Vince Luciani. He's a performance coach. He's a mentor. He's someone who's tackling a very challenging conversation, which is love within sport. We go into the depths in this one, and it's a very heavy hitting conversation. And we close on some super personal issues. But within this conversation, you're going to see that you are everything within and without sport. Vince is full of great stories, great exercises to help you find out who you are, how you identify yourself, where you're seeking validation from, and how you can take the power back for you. We're all about building a more robust human being that loves themselves, that celebrates themselves and believes they're worth celebrating so that when they go on the court, they're coming from a place of wholeness. They're complete. They're not seeking from a place of weakness or from a place of not having and using sport to validate themselves and to confirm themselves in the world. This is about controlling what's in your control, having better systems internally and stepping on the court as the best version of yourself defined by you. So it is my pleasure to introduce Vince Luciani. Vincey, my boy. Welcome. Let's get after this conversation, bro. I feel like I'm in your kitchen with you. (laughs) If only it were the case. We're on the other sides of the world, but close at heart, my friend. Um, 
I, I just want to state before all of this that Vince and I stay connected as much as we possibly can. And we're, we're friends beyond the episode of this podcast. percent. Vince and I have been discussing sport and identity of athletes for a really long time. I, I would like to say, what, last two years, three years together? Two, yeah, it's been about two and a half years because it was like February of 2017. Wow, that's our relationship yep. anniversary. And, yeah. and there was probably a year before that where we were supposed to meet and everyone said that we should meet, but it just didn't happen. So it, the magic needed to wait. But it all happened at exactly when it was supposed to. And it was one of those things. It was like, what? You believe the same thing? Me too? All right, let's do this. You know? <laughs> There's so much room for activities in here. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it, this is a conversation that is so true to our hearts it's a part of our being, right? Because we're both athletes. We've both been, you know, spit out of a system for, for lack of a better term and, and come out of it going, wait, wait, what just happened? And who am I? And so everything that we're going to talk about here is something that we have gone through and we are currently going through. And I, I want to acknowledge you before the podcast, because you are spending so much of your life force trying to help people going through the journey that you went through and using the tools and using the, the failures and using the moments that you were hurt to make better people, make better cultures, make better coaches, athletes, uh, better environments. Like you're really looking at this from a deep, deep lens. And this is your life's work, man. That's it. So let's we, get into it. We, well, we are. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Well, you're, you're the guest of my show, so <laughs> it's, it's about you today, Vinny. Okay, okay, so, fine. Okay. So, Vince Luciani, give the audience a little bit of a rundown. Who are you? Oh, man. Do you want the story? Do you want, like, the... the <laughs> like, like, first, and then we'll, we'll get into it after. I'm the founder of the Legacy Coaching. I guide athletes to discover who they are beyond what they do. And uh, beyond that, so beyond my title, uh, I believe that at the core of it all, I'm, I'm love underneath all of it. I'm love for myself, love for those around me, my family, my cousins, uh, the people I work with, the people I see on a daily basis, the people I hug in the street, uh, the strangers I approach in the grocery store. Um, but that's, I love puns. That's a big thing that, because it might come out in the next, in the next hour and a bit. Uh, but yeah, that at the, if I keep it very, I'm trying to, it's funny because I'm, I usually go right deep down. So it's actually difficult for me to play at the surface right now. But uh, that's, I would say that sums up who I am. Amazing. Well, let's, let's break through the surface, bro. Let's go a little bit deeper. Uh, you have a, a really formative story, which has taken you to your path right now. And you've gone through a lot. I'd love to hear about your journey through sport a little bit and then into, into coaching and then your transition out of sport and how uh, a very specific question of who are you essentially changed your life. 100%. Yeah, so I, I played, I was, I was always the athlete. I played every sport. Uh, I played basketball and football were my main two. And I, basketball was always my favorite. And then what happened was I, I played all the way through, um, you know, I went to a prep school in Massachusetts for my postgraduate year. So like, like grade 13. And, um, and I was getting recruited for both basketball and football. And I actually, I don't even know if I've ever told you this. I picked football because I was better at football, hmm. not because I enjoyed it more. 
and I had a, a good season because I was a, I was like a I was a bigger prospect as a quarterback coming out of this prep school, and so like coaches were like, oh yeah, like Vince, where are you going next year or whatever, and like so there was like uh, attention. I was getting the attention and the recognition for being a quarterback, and basketball was kind of like there was nothing. I just had like two coaches talking to me like, well, if you want to play, you can be on the team. So I actually took the route of greatest acknowledgement, greatest validation, really. Um, and, you know, looking back, I empathize with, with myself um, in doing that. But it was just interesting because it kind of rerouted me. And so uh, I played five years at Laurier uh, with the football team. And in that time, I had a really dark uh, period where I got diagnosed with depression, anxiety, two learning disabilities, ADD. And it was just, it was dark. It was isolating. I didn't want to tell my teammates, didn't want to tell my coaches. Um, but the one thing I always relied on was my identity of being an athlete. So like walking around campus, wearing the Laurier football hoodie, you know, posting up at the bar, like just like hanging on to that label of being an athlete because of the attention that came with it. And, uh, and so I played five years, had a lot of injuries. So I shifted around positions a lot. So it kind of gave me a different perspective on the game. And then when I, when I finished playing, I got into uh, coaching with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. And so I just shifted that external label into from athlete to being a coach, but still hanging on to the sport. And uh, coached a year there. Then I had the dream of coaching Division One football in the NCAA. So I got down to Ohio University, coached down there for two years, got my master's in coaching education, further solidifying the coach identity and then from there i was playing pickup basketball with a with a bunch of coaches i hear a big pop going up for i, I like to say i was going up for a dunk but i was just dribbling up the court um, <laughs> heard a pop i looked down and i ruptured i ruptured my patella tendon in my left knee and so it was one of those moments where like it's a it's a life-changing moment and so i had emergency surgery within 48 hours and then i had to come home to canada to recover and that's when like I lost my job as the coach and then my, you know, transitioned into my mom yelling at me on the couch going, Vince, you got to get a job. So I limped my way into number one, a Nike outlet, but they weren't hiring. And then I went into Lululemon. That was my number two. And, uh, and going into Lululemon, the girl was like, you want to work here? You're, you're a guy. And I'm like, yeah, of course I want to work here. So within, uh, within a week, there was a group interview, got hired. And then within a week of getting hired, my manager took me out for coffee to talk about my goals, sat me down and asked me, Vince, who are you? And I was like, oh, I'm a football coach. Come on. She's like, no, Vince, who are you? That's just what you are. And I was like, shoot. I started crying because I realized in that moment, my entire life, I let what I did on the outside define who I was on the inside. And there was so much to it too. Like her asking that question, she didn't do it as a formality. She did it because she actually cared. And so she created space for me with those three words. She asked the question and she was like, who are you? Okay, think about it. It was like, who are you? And she sat with that silence. And that's when I was like, okay, like I got to think about this. And so broke down in tears. Um, and in that time, it, it just kind of broke down the walls of, of self-discovery for me. And I started to... Um, open up to what else was underneath. And so I started to really focus on uh, what what's underneath all of that. And so I got sent to all these workshops. I got sent to all these different personal development days. I uh, started working with a coach. And then what happened was I, um, 
you know, I started going into um, self-discovery, started learning about uh, all these different things, going to these workshops. And every lesson that I learned about myself, I started asking, why did I never learn this as an athlete? Why did I never learn this as a coach? And so every time I learned a lesson, there was a bit of resentment and judgment towards sport because I would go, well, geez, how come they're not teaching kids this? How come they're not teaching athletes this? And so not realizing that I was kind of coming up with my own content, my own curriculum, um, I just started applying all of these lessons into the coaching that I was work when I was working with these athletes that I was coaching for football. So, you know, I'd work with a quarterback, I'd work with a receiver, I'd work, you know, coach flag football and all those, uh, I'd, I'd start applying all of those lessons and I would just start to see, you know, like it was, it was different because it wasn't what those athletes were, have been experiencing. And so, uh, I got to a point fast forward, you know, another two years, I founded the legacy coaching. And it's basically taking all these life lessons that I've learned myself and I formulated a, a curriculum and a bunch of modules around uh, guiding people to discover who they are beyond what they do through the practice of self-definition. And the idea is everyone has their own answers to every unique question. And it's important that we take the time to define our own answers. And it's fascinating because I'm on the other side of the world and I'm having conversations that are so similar. So the conversations that you and I really started having together over two years ago, close to our heart, me coming off sport, you coming off sport and, and going deep into your coaching journey. You know, I'm, I'm over here talking to athletes and what I'm experiencing is within systems, within programs, there's not a lot of space to coach the person. These programs need to hit numbers. There's all these stats about specific things within the program that they're doing for performance and we're forgetting that there's a human being there. So what you're really doing is you're peeling the onion on the human being and it's something that we've often spoken about is I don't care how many sports psychologists you go see, if you're broken human in person, it doesn't matter whether you can visualize a great player or not because fundamentally the, the, the system is flawed. So yes. you're talking about the person, Vinny, and really helping them out. And why is it? Why do you think that we're dealing with this, be it right now or, or, or all time? Why is this an issue? So for me, the answer to everything is love. And so we're all, and the, the reason why I say that with identity is like, that is where athletes get most of their love, recognition, attention, acknowledgement and validation from their sport. And so what happens is um, it's, and it's outcome-based love, it's conditional love. It's when you perform well, I'll love you. And so what happens is when the sport is gone, not only do they lose love, but they believe they lose who they are. My belief is you don't lose who you are. You, who you are is always there, but you've lost your vehicle to access that same love and validation. And so the issues come when they go, well, shoot, where, where am I supposed to get this love and attention? Where am I supposed to get this feeling that, you know, every time I score a touchdown, I've got everybody cheering for me. I got the coach acknowledging me, you know, and I'm not saying like, of course it hurts when you finish your sport. It's like breaking up with somebody you've loved your entire life. But the idea is at the core of it, the reason why we strive so hard, the reason why we do all these things is for love. And so it's not about removing the sport. It's not about not playing anymore. It's not about, um, 
It's not about not focusing on winning. It's just about uh, shifting the angle of the perspective from inside out instead of outside in. Mm -hmm. Um, Because what happens a lot, you know, even at a young age, it's like outcome first. It's like when we win, then I'll celebrate you rather than I'm going to celebrate you as a human being. And the byproduct of that will be us winning. Yeah. And that's, that's a massive cultural thing as well. This is something that I'm chewing on and conversing about with as many people as possible is, you know, if your, if your standard is the result, well, no, it's outside of your control. Your, your standard can't be, I'm a winner and I win championships. No, that's a part of a process that you need to go through. So the only standards that are within your control are things that live inside of you. How do you live? How do you validate yourself as a, as a human being? And then the championships happen. You, are, you choose to be a champion. You choose to act like a champion. You choose to be someone worthy of winning before the win actually happens, right? Yes. Yeah, because that's the whole idea is all the stuff that's out of your control. Like you walk into a game, you can't control your, you know, your teammates. You can't control the refs. You can't control the coaches. You can't control the weather, whatever it may be. Right. So, so to base your success as a human being on things that are outside of your control, you're doomed Yeah. because it's at the mercy of everybody else. It's not within your control. But once you define the things, yes, like you're saying that are all within your control, that's where inner peace comes because you define it. It's not based on everything around you. It's based on everything within you. Yeah, for sure. And what comes to mind is, you know, are, are you playing the game and is the game a part of your process that you've identified for yourself or is the game playing you and are you a part of the game's process so that the game can be the game and exist as the game? And so this is not us hating on sport. We love sport. We're all about sport. And we also love winning. This is not about participation badges. Nor is this not about doing the work because we love to do the work. But this is about being intentional. This is about owning it inside of yourself. This is about you understanding a little bit more about who you are before you step on the field of play so that you, you can actually shine for yourself, not to receive the validation, to receive those things. So the, the next level of this conversation is we're talking about being more than an athlete, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about you're, you are a human being who is playing sport and developing. So let's rift on that, Vince. What, what does it mean to be more than an athlete? Yeah, to me, it's, um, it's, it's funny because when I think of more than an athlete, I think of uh, beyond. And, and it's almost like I want people to think of, you know, like a tree it's about the roots of the tree. It's not so much about the tree itself. It's about the things that make up the tree. It's like, if you look at a cake, it's not about the cake on the outside. It's about the ingredients within it. And that, that's when I think of more than athlete, that's what I think of. It's, it's the things that can never be taken away from you. That's what, when you, when I think of more, because athlete is just a small label that you're going to be carrying for X percentage of your life. But the things underneath it that allow you to be that label, those will be, have been with you from the beginning of time and will be with you at the end of time. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's the thing is, that's your foundation. But what happens is we put our foundation on this title of being an athlete and then all of a sudden the sport's gone and the foundation breaks and then there's a storm and then our tree gets uprooted. But the idea is once you define your roots, what, what allows you to be those things um, the stronger your roots, you know, a storm comes. Yeah, you're going to feel it, but you're still going to stay put. 
you know, but if you don't know your roots, you don't know your power, you don't know the things that ground you, you're going to be gone with the storm when it comes. And that's an injury. That's, you know, not starting for some people that's, you know, that's, um, you know, your sport being taken away from you, uh, finishing your sport, like whatever it may be, it's different for everybody. Um, but it's, it's attachment is really what we're getting at here is like attachment to that label rather than, um, detaching from the label by, by defining what's underneath it all. I feel like we're transcending labels here because people become the label. Well, no, no, that's not who you are. That's what you do. But if you allow yourself to go deeper, much like you just said at the beginning, like I am love that, that fundamentally that's who you are. And that shows up in the way that you want to express it. Right. So you're, are, are we talking about character and, and virtues here? Like what, what are we actually talking about when we're saying going past the label of, of what you do? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I would say characteristics. I would say, um, you know, words that you would use to, you know, descriptive words to describe yourself, um, within situations. And it, it's again, going back to the perspective, I always think of like two circles, right? Like one small circle and then a circle outside of it. And the circle on the inside is you. And then the circle on the outside is everything else, your external world. So your internal world and your external world. It's, it's about thinking of the words that whether someone is around you or not, you are still that thing. Um, so I think of, uh, for example, I was in a session the other day and someone said, I'm shy. And I look at shy as that's an external world. That's like someone looking at you and going, that person's quiet, therefore they're shy. But I go, okay, externally, Someone defines you as shy. Internally, what are you being when you're shy? So it's like maybe you're a thinker, maybe you're a dreamer, maybe you're a visionary, maybe you're you know introspective, whatever it may be. We're always doing something inside, but our entire life we're always told what we are. We're always told who we are. Like when I was in high school, it was like Vince, you're distracted. But really, I was dreaming. I was visioning. I was like creative. I was all these things, but on the outside, Vince, you're distracted. So what happens is I got attached to that label. I go, I'm, I'm distracted. I'm really distracted. And then by def being defined by what other people think of me, I wasn't defining who I was for myself. It's the same thing as being an athlete. If I'm defined by being an athlete, I'm not focusing on all the things that make up me being an athlete. I'm hanging on to this label because, you know, the people I respect, like coaches, parents, whatever, I want their validation. So I'm going to be defined by whatever they want me to be. So rather than being reactionary to that whole game, because absolutely none of us can escape the game of trying to gain love and attention, right? I mean, that's the game. We're yeah. Fundamentally, we are all trying to be loved and desire to be loved. So we're not escaping that. But how do we take the power back? How do we own the game and start to do exactly as you said, rather than to go outside in, how can, how can we start to transition to an inside out process? So going back to identity, it's like it's seeking love and validation from others. And I believe that's, that's emptiness. Where we swap it out is I believe fulfillment is giving that same love and validation that we're seeking directly to ourselves first and therefore attracting the love and validation that we want from others. Because the idea here is like we were talking about what you can control, what you can't. You can't control other people loving you. You can't. You can influence it, but you can't fully control it. But you can control loving yourself first. And so the best, the best way to uh, 
actually apply this to somebody who's listening is if you were to write down in 250 words how someone else loves you, how you know someone else loves you, write it down in 250 words. So it's like, you know, they accept me for who I am. Um, they listen to me all the time. They compliment me. They hold me. Like whatever it may be, you just write it out in 250 words. And then what you do is you rewrite the exact same paragraph, but you replace all of the they's with I's. You replace all of the um, them's with myself or whatever makes sense grammatically. Um, but what you're doing is you're now seeing your greatest opportunity for self-love. Because if you look at it and go, they, you know, they accept me for who I am. You go, do I accept myself for who I am? If the answer is no, great. You got work to do. Um, do you, they're, they're always asking questions about me or something like that. Great. Are you curious about yourself? Like do you sit with yourself. Um, they always compliment me. Do you compliment yourself? Because chances are we don't. And, and the, this is the thing is I haven't perfected this. I logically understand it. I practice it every day, but it's not, it's not perfect. Right. Where there's always moments where I'm like, Oh, why am I doing that? Oh, I'm doing that because that I'm doing it so that that person likes me rather than doing it from love. I'm doing it for love, but it's really important that we see the swap idea of it. It's like, everything is a mirror. What I want from you is what I'm not giving to myself. And that's emptiness, right? It's, I believe that, I believe that is emptiness. And it, there's another really important side of this conversation because we're living in a time right now where we're, we're being told to accept yourself and to love yourself and body image. And I'm not poo-pooing those things, but I also think that this, the self-love that you're talking about isn't stagnant. It's not, okay, I've checked a box. I now love myself. I'm going to stay here and eat potato chips and watch Netflix for the rest of my life. <laughs> this is a conversation about, I love myself enough to move forward. Yes. I love myself enough to acknowledge that I'm worth it, that I have value, that I can achieve what I want to achieve. I give myself permission to achieve whatever I set my sights on because I believe in myself and, and because I love myself, right? So this is not about love and then stay there. This is about love and progression, right? Yes, because love is growth. Like that's growth. And and there, there's so much so much to this conversation because that's actually the most common question I get from athletes when I talk about self-love. They go, well, what's the difference between self-love and complacency? And it's, it's, you just answered it. That's exactly how I answer it is when you truly unconditionally love yourself, you will do whatever it takes to get to the next step to do the thing that you want to do. And if you don't want to do it, and it doesn't reflect your most authentic self, then don't do it. But the idea is you got to go inside first, right? Because think about how many people live their entire life for everybody around them. Those pe chances are those people do not unconditionally love themselves, right? And and I think it's really important that we that we focus on that because in a team environment, I always say it's like your team is is the sum of all the individuals. So you could focus on the team all you want, but if you're not focusing on yourself, you, it's a bunch of empty vessels that are ready to pop at any moment. But it's about taking care of yourself first so that you can then take care of your teammates, take care of your coaches, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if I think I just went off on a tangent. No, that's fine. Keep it rolling. So let's, you 
touched upon coach and, and you didn't touch upon parent, but let's, let's bring them into the conversation. So yes, we're hundred percent talking about athletes, but you can replace coach with athlete. You can replace parent with athlete. You know, how, how does this apply to a coach who's showing up from a slightly different perspective, but it still starts with self-love, right? Uh, absolutely. And what's really, what's really cool that I've observed in my work is, um, the example you set by embodying a characteristic is the greatest the greatest lesson you could ever give to your athletes. You can tell them all you want what they're supposed what they're supposed to do, but if you don't embody that thing, it's all for nothing. So this is so it goes back to the coach. The coach is the answer. If the coach doesn't take care of himself or herself, their athletes will not be taken care of. Really, because like for me, I don't know about. I know, well, no, I do know about a lot of other athletes, but when a coach speaks from the mind and doesn't truly believe their message, athletes see right through it, mm-hmm. right through it. And I, I ask professional athletes all the time, like, who are your favorite coaches? The ones that live by what they tell me, you know, the ones that like truly believe what they're telling me because I can see the example that they're setting. And th- that's, that's just it is like, I've had, it's so interesting the correlation, but I, you see like I'll get hired by a team and the coach refuses to participate in the exercises. So of course I'm having difficulty having the kids share in the, in the exercises because like, well, my coach isn't doing it, but then I go and work with the team where the coach is writing, participating, sharing, and being like open. So of course you've got a hundred kids in the room. Now the standard is set at being open, sharing, being vulnerable, all these things because of the coach, not by him going, Hey guys, I want you to be vulnerable and be open tonight. No, by what he did, not what he said, what he did. And it was something my dad always taught me. It was like, what you, what you do speaks so loudly. I can't hear what you're saying. (laughs) And that's why it's so important for coaches to live, truly live the lessons that they're trying to teach, you know, whether it's accountability, whether it's, um, you know, self-love, if it like whatever it may be, live into it. Don't worry about telling them anything. It's like, and it's the same as parents. You pick up, like kids pick up on the slightest behaviors, not what you say, what you do. And so we, we like, that's why it it always goes back to, I am, it's like, I am the answer. You know, we love to blame. It's like, Oh, my athlete did this or my son did this or no, it's like, it goes back to you. The lesson that you're embodying. Mm-hmm. You know? And I just think that has such a big role in all of this. So I, I'd, I'd love for people to think about two different coaches that are really easy to picture. One, one is a coach that lives it, loves their athletes, believes in their athletes and trusts their athletes out on the field of play. And then you have a coach who doesn't embody the things is trying to control their athletes, is trying to get them to play a system and, and to play in a way that validates them as a coach because they're using the athletes to validate themselves and their process. Those are two totally different outcomes. What shows up on the field, what shows up for the athletes is two totally different spaces, two totally different performances. One, you're playing for you and the coach is helping you grow. And the other one is you're playing for your coach and, and you're never enough right? Yes. Yes. And off of, off of that, I, and, and this is, the, this is why 
sports are really interesting for this because that second coach, the controlling coach could be the most winningest coach in X history. But at the end of it, when it's all set, when it's all said and done, what are the athletes left with? Are they left with true life lessons or are they just left with championships and trophies and wins and attention for four years? Because that, that's why this is so important. It's like when all of this is wiped away, what are they left with? Because winning, I'm telling you right now, winning does not equal happiness. Mm-hmm. Winning does not equal success in terms of, you know, in life after sport. It doesn't. I get I get really fired up about this because like I hear people go, oh, so you're the trophy guy. You're the give everyone a trophy kind of guy. I'm like, no, that's not that's not what I'm saying. But we need to celebrate. We need to celebrate the human being first, and then them as an athlete. And that's where like you know zooming out of this, what all of this really means to me personally is sport is the perfect example of how we teach conditional love in our world where it's like, I will only celebrate you and validate you when you do well. And it's not about celebrating. It's not about celebrating bad behavior. It's not about celebrating like, you know, bad outcomes. Like they screw up. Oh, great job, Johnny. I'm so proud of you for dropping the ball. No, it's about celebrating the human being that dropped the ball. It's like, okay, what did you do? Well, awesome. And it's, and it's, and it's even go even deeper. It's not about the coach celebrating the kid. It's about the coach facilitating the kids celebrating themselves mm-hmm. because, um, you know, you go to like a six year old football game, the kid drops a ball. Why'd you drop the ball? It's like the kid knows he, he didn't want to drop the ball. Like even a pro game. Oh, God damn it. You got to catch that ball. Of course you got to catch the ball. Everybody knows what we have to do to win the game. Right. But it's like, it's like, how are you treating the human being within that process? There's two different ways you can do it out of fear, out of control or out of love and out of trust. And so I always like, and it's really important to define what trust and love looks like in coaching in parenting um, because it's different for everybody. Like you said, it's like, love yourself. Great. It's great to like, like that picture on Instagram, but what does it mean to you? We're, we're hammering a lot of different things here, Vinny. So let's, let's move into the, the parent. Let's replace coach then with parent. If you're a parent and you're controlling your child's experience in sport, you're investing in it, you're driving them around, you're sitting there watching, cheering them on, but that child is now a tool for you to love yourself and to identify with yourself and essentially be a citizen is, is the success of your child. Now all of a sudden your child's success is about you and you feeling love and validation. Now, all of a sudden, we're, we're in a really interesting relationship. Do you have any stories or insights when it relates to the parent and, and the youth or the young athlete's experience? Yeah, of course. Um, one that immediately comes to mind is, you know, when you talk to a parent, you go, oh, how's Johnny doing? I'm like, oh, Johnny's great. He scored three goals last Saturday. And so immediately, they're celebrating them as an athlete rather than them as a human being. If it's like, hey, Johnny's really enjoying his sport. Johnny's really enjoying hockey. Like that's different, right? Enjoyment. That's the root of that. But if it's like the outcome first, you know, oh yeah, yeah, he's he's working at McDonald's, but it's temporary. It's temporary. It's like he's he's working. Like is he like, you know, he's doing something for himself. Like what what is what is the human response to that rather than what is the athlete response to that? What is the success? response to that it's like what is the thing that is within his control her his or her control 
Um, and I think it's really important because you hear it in conversations a lot. It's like parents going, oh yeah, well, you know, Sally got a scholarship to so-and-so and oh yeah, that's great. Okay. And Sally had, you know, 20 goals and what, it's like, but think about it like this, when that sport's done, what are they going to talk about? Because that's when the athlete starts to feel the, the identity crisis is going like, geez, I usually just connect with my parents about sports and stuff like that. And they always celebrate this. And then when that's gone, what are they celebrating? You know, and, and I think that's, that's really, really important. And that's the whole piece of conditional and unconditional love. And if you think of condition, it's like, we've also been conditioned with conditional love. It's like in sport, you're only cheered for if you win, right? Like we're all really upset when we lose. We like, it's just really high, really low. Um, but very rarely, and it, it's very possible. I've seen a lot of coaches like this. I've seen a lot of athletes like this, but you, they stay even keel. And they know, it's not, about, it's not about not caring about the outcomes. You definitely care. You feel the emotion. You go with it. But you know that that outcome means nothing about you as a human being. Mm-hmm. But what happens is some, sometimes, and I've, I've watched this, I've observed this, so I can speak to it. When a kid loses a game or wins a game, they make it mean something about the kid as a human being. So the kid goes really low or the kid goes really high. And that's attachment. You're conditioning attachment. And so it's really important that it's, it's like, how did you feel after that game? Whether you won or lost, how did you feel? Great. If it, you know what? I don't feel good. Awesome. Let's talk about it. Rather than, yeah, you should have listened to the coach on this play. How come you didn't score this goal? How come you didn't move? And if there's, because there's pressure from expectation. But when you speak to the thing that is within their control, you are literally helping them define who they are beyond what they do. Yeah, man. That's so powerful. It's, it's such an important conversation. And I, I keep on thinking about you know, coaches or parents you know, the rewards that we give people, let's just say, even after practice with a coach, you reward the person who had the most kills or the best stats, or do you reward the person that embodied a, a character or value set that you prioritize that week, right? That's a very right. simple way of looking at it. Are you prioritizing the outcome and validating that person as a result of that? Or are you validating that person for embodying something? And guess what? if you have a character trait or value set that you're developing or building on your team that involves some level of human performance, likely you're going to be closer to a better outcome at the end of that. But the goal wasn't necessarily the outcome. The goal is to creating a better person. And then the outcome was manifest due to creating space for people to think for themselves, love themselves, believe in themselves, trust themselves, you know? A hundred percent. I totally believe in that. Cause I always think I'm like, what about the kid on the team who's not the most gifted, but he's never celebrated. He might be the best teammate in the world, but he's not celebrated based on like, you know, yeah. It, like, uh, stats or wins or starts or whatever, but he could be the best human being on that team in terms of love, connection, teamwork, all those things. But there's an, what do we have? What stat do we have for that? There is no stat for that. You know, and, and I do, I firmly believe what you're saying. The byproduct of celebrating all those things is the outcome that we're looking for. I totally believe in that. But we lack the trust in our process that it will lead to our outcome. 
we 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 just we just go oh yeah trust the process yeah just like trust the process we say it like we we know what we're you know we know the the, the meanings behind it but when do we take t- take the time to go what does trust mean to me and what is my own unique process mm-hmm. you know because you ask kids you ask um professional athletes everyone has their own unique process to get to the exact same desired outcome look at a football team You've got a guard, you've got a tackle who have to block their way down the field. You've got one guy who has to throw. You've got one guy who has to catch. One guy, another guy's got to block. Another guy's got to run. Everyone has their own unique process to get to the same place. But only when everybody masters their own process do you get to the desired outcome. So something that you say is you are everything within and without sport. Let's tackle validation. How do you create a healthy, intrinsic validation platform? Um, in terms of like tools for athletes or in terms of anything, you just rift, go for it. Yeah. So the big one for me is, you know, a lot of, first of all, packaging up what love means to you. So if, like going back to what we were saying with those 250 words, knowing what it looks like for someone else to love you and then going, okay, how can I do this for myself? Um, because the idea is our sport is everything because it's our greatest source of love. But the way to hijack that is to make ourselves our greatest source of love. And that's how we shift from going, our sport is everything to I am everything within or without my sport. Now, a big thing that I always get my athletes to do is mirror talk. So you, first thing you you go, you look in the mirror, stare at yourself for a good one to two minutes. And this is very uncomfortable for about 95% of people who I give it to. Then after that, you speak to yourself with love, the same love you expect from your coaches, your parents, your teammates, whatever it may be. If it's like, you're awesome. You're doing a great job. I love you. Um, You're a beast. Like whatever it may be, speak to yourself with the same love that you expect from everyone else. Um, and that's a, a direct way of, of taking that love, that external love and giving it to yourself internally. And the, the thing is though, everyone's like, Oh yeah, it's great to just say it. It's, it's like anything you say it until you believe it. Cause people say, you know, uh, fake it till you make it. And I totally do not believe in that. I believe in believe it until you become it. Because I, I firmly believe that when you start to believe something, you become that thing at the core of everything. There is a belief, everything. So if you think of your thoughts, they, they reflect a belief. You think of your words towards someone else, they reflect a belief, your actions, they reflect a belief. So it's important that we hijack our own beliefs so that when we get to the playing field, when we get to the court, when we get to the ice, we are embodying these beliefs that we have defined for ourselves. And what another, thing that I would just throw it to any athletes listening. It's like everything after I am is the truth. So if you say like, I am, you know, I'm, I'm a shitty blocker. Well, guess what? You're a shitty blocker. But if you go like, you know, I'm, um, I'm strong. And then you say, when, then when you say it, it's like, you don't firmly believe it. Great. Let's work on that belief. Cause I hear it all the time. Like I will sit with like, you know, university athletes and they're like, they come up with a belief at the end of the session. It's like, uh, I believe in myself. And I'm like, did you just believe that? 
you know? And so I'll get them to stand up and say it louder in front of their team and in front of their team. And it's super uncomfortable, super uncomfortable. But this is the thing, the louder that voice is out here, the louder it's going to be in here. So when you're tested on the field, you're going back to, I believe in myself rather than I believe in myself. Mm -hmm. And so that's, what's really important is, is really refining our personal beliefs, our personal statements, affirmations, um, because that's what's tested on the playing field. That's what's tested in life, you know? And like, again, it's not, this, this isn't just about sport. This is everything, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's like, you know, if I'm dating someone, I, I get rejected. It's like, what voices do I start to hear? Are they the ones that I've heard from other people when I felt vulnerable or the ones that I've created for myself? No, Vince, I love you no matter what. No, Vince, you're awesome. Like, or is it, no, you're an idiot. I can't believe she dumped you. You know, like you just keep going down this, like this, this rabbit hole. But I hope that answered what we were talking. Very about. much so. And I mean, we're, we're just rifting. We're creating perspective because for you and me, you know, we talk about this consistently that this is normal for us, but I, I don't believe this conversation is being had as frequently as it, as it could or should. Mm-hmm. And I'll speak to, I think it was two years ago that you and I had an opportunity um, a coach reached out from Thompson Rivers University out in BC, had shared some dialogue and, and they were just, they were looking at resetting their culture because they had a really tough year. So you were my first call and we flew out to Thompson Rivers University and in a matter of, what was it? Was it 72 hours we were out there, 36 hours or some ridiculously short amount of time. I think it was, we were there for two nights and landed at night and flew early the third morning. We did something like, nine hours of programming for this team and we just ripped them apart and built them back together in mind and in body and systems and standards and beliefs. And I remember, well, first my, my preliminary session was today's a good day to die. I love that. And it was getting them to go as far as they possibly could and changing what they thought they were capable of and breaking past these limiting beliefs. And when they were reduced to zero, reduced to absolutely nothing, you came right in without missing a beat and you asked, who are you? And that was, that was incredible. That was one of the best experiences of my life to, to lead that team with you. And I'll bring it back to what actually came up in my mind was when you have them go through the exercise of identifying with themselves and, and giving themselves validation and, and start to you know figure who they are. You had each one stand up in a circle and own it and, and share that single word. And I bring that up because some people would stand up and I am this, you know, yeah. like, no, it's not good enough. <laughs> That's not good enough. Yell it. And it took four or five times for them to truly scream it to own it, to believe it, to be it. And then for the rest of the time, other athletes were able to see that person as that thing. And now all of a sudden that person was love. You know, I remember smiley, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you be whoever you want to be. There's no right or there's no wrong, but do you believe it? And are you about it? And that was just an incredible, incredible experience. And I actually wanted to, speak about the love shower that we did the compliment shower you know that at the at the end it was an amazing exercise can, can you 
break that exercise down, Vinny, because it was it was incredible. Yeah. So the the idea was um, at the end of the retreat or three days, whatever we want to call that, um, wrapping it up with gratitude. And so we put the team in a circle, and one by one. I think we did it for 30 seconds or a minute, 45 seconds, something minute. like that. I think it was a minute. a minute. So each athlete sits, stands in the middle of the circle of the team and we record it on video and, and we time it. So for a minute, we, you know, press start, go for a minute and then it's over after a minute. Within that minute, everyone else on the team is literally showering them with gratitude. So only positive, only pumping them up. And the idea with this one is it's going – and it's only genuine stuff. It's not like you're, yeah, you're awesome, man. It's like, you know what? I love you so much. You make me happy every time I come in the locker room. Like you hear all of these deep, deep, um, sharings of gratitude. And the, the beautiful part about this is the, and specifically why they close their eyes is because it's like when they're in a tough moment, they will always remember what their teammates say about them. Hmm. And so, um, it, it's so beautiful because, you know, you see some kids get emotional, right? Because it's like, number one, I, I didn't know my teammates looked at me like that. I didn't know I had an impact on my coach like that. You know, the, the way some of the athletes were speaking to the coaches, the coaches would say the same thing. I didn't even know my guys thought that about me, you know? And, and it's so beautiful because my whole belief with gratitude is it's the best way to share with someone their legacy, the impact that they have on you. And so it's really important. And, and what's really cool is, would that take us 20 minutes? Because there's one minute for each kid. Think about how powerful that 20-minute lesson is for their life now. My teammates thought this of me. My coach thought this of me. And they just think about feeling love for an entire minute from an entire team of guys that you're trying to prove yourself worth to. It's beautiful. Yeah. And, and going back to love, you're, they're, you're taking – you're taking that athlete who's sitting in the middle right to the end of the thing that they want most because they want love and validation. So if you give it to them genuinely, they feel that that's what allows them to feel like they're everything within or without their sport. Mm-hmm. Cause it wasn't just like, man, you're such a good spiker. Oh, you're such a great setter. It was like, no, it was like, you're amazing. Like I love hanging out with you. You make me laugh. Like it's all the things that are within their control. And so, you know, if, if a coach is listening to this, even if an athlete's listening to this, do this, try to do this with your team, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful when you create space. I think that's the answer to a lot of this is, yeah. Well, as athletes, you're, you're not trained by feel. There's no feeling in that, right? You're training skill, you're training stats, you're training percentages, you're training wins and losses. You're you're focusing on that win and the, the outcome at the end of the season, which once again, we're not saying is bad, but if you're using it to validate yourself, you are no longer at the center of your story. You're no longer in control. And what this does, it creates this meaning and purpose where all of a sudden you're engaging with a bunch of other human beings and you're actually sharing how you feel about each other. Oh my goodness. And that's not about being weak. That's actually about being strong, right? We're, we're living in the sports system that's about being stronger. Means you got to grind harder. You got to lift more weight. Your stats got to be better, right? But what if that actually is, is quite fickle in comparison to sharing how you truly feel about someone, sharing your truth with someone, 
sharing how they've made an impact in your life. There's not a lot of dialogue right now with respect to that, right? Or, or maybe it's a reflection at the end of the season and you spent eight months with these people and you took to the very end to celebrate something that could have been an incredible share and change the dynamic and culture of your team if you acknowledged it when it actually happened, right? Yep. Well, the, and, and that's the beautiful part is like when you watch teams, and we've seen it, when you watch teams connect at that level, think of what that does to culture. That's the cult, like that's why they go, oh yeah, we should do a, a, um, a sleepover tournament so that the, the guys connect with each other or the girls connect with each other. Yeah, absolutely, that works. But what happens when you create five minutes of space every single day for them to talk about things that they're all feeling, but none of them want to express? Because every single time truth is expressed, I love that you bring up truth. Every single time truth is expressed, you, they're elevating the standard of sharing in the room. I call it the SOS. If I share something vulnerable, we don't still stay at the surface. We now go down to that level that they're at. And how many people in the room go, oh my gosh, I've gone through the exact same thing. Oh my gosh, I've felt that before. And what is that? That's empathy. What is empathy? That's connection. What do you want in your team? Connection. What does that create? Community. What does that create? Culture. You see that how it all starts from this small thing and the byproduct is everything that we want. Or you could just pretend everything's okay. Yeah, <laughs> which, which, is, which is the, that's the norm. That is the norm. It's like, why are, why are our guys connecting with each other? It's like, are you creating space for it? Are you connecting with yourself? Because yeah. if you're not connecting with yourself, your guys are not going to connect with each other. I can promise you that. Yeah. And when I say guys, I, sorry, I, I just wanted to throw this out there. It's guys and girls. I'm just thinking of like the football teams I worked with, the basketball teams. Like, yeah. Can you talk about some of the athletes right now, prolific ones that are kind of talking about this and what that means? Yeah, so the, the big one that really stands out um, is Andrew Luck. So this past week he retired, and he was about, I think, 29. Um, and he's, you know, he's had a lot of injuries. And I, to be honest, I don't follow the NFL closely enough to know his stats or anything like that. And, again, it doesn't really matter. Um, but he said something in his press conference. Um, there were a few things that popped up that I'd love to share. But he said something in his press conference where he said um, – there was a moment where I realized that if I'm going to let um, my performance in a game dictate my self-worth, I'm going to have a shitty life. And when I saw that, I was like, man, think of the self-awareness that that takes when you are getting bombarded with attention, recognition, all these things and money. And for him to become aware of that and go, you know what? This is what's most important to me right now. My family, my life outside of football. And what was crazy was all, all these fans were booing him. They were saying, how could you give up $50 million, et cetera, et cetera. He's like, you're, you're missing the point. That's not what this is about. This is about me. This is about me as a human being. It's about me and my life. And th there were so many other things that popped up because what I, what it really broke down to for me was th think about uh, an athlete. And this is why I can empathize with athletes so much. The love that they get from fans and the only love that they know from their sport is conditional. Think about the, the most, it's not all, it's not all fans, but most fans, they cheer when you do well and they're upset when you do bad, right? So when you leave their team, they're not excited for you because you made a good choice for yourself as a human being. They're upset because the outcome that you were helping 
their team reach meant something about them as a human being. And so that really stood out in this one because the fans were getting a lot of uh, backlash because they were booing him. But the guy made a decision for himself and his life and his future. Um, and uh, Gronkowski from the Patriots, same thing. There was an interview with him this week and he was, he broke down in tears on camera and he was like, it, it was sucking the fun out of football for me. And I was so tied up in being a football player and like all, all this stuff. And it's starting to become more of a conversation. And I remember there was another, I think this was last year. There was a linebacker from Jacksonville, I think who retired. And, uh, after he retired, there was a press conference and somebody was like, how could you give up the money? And how could you give up this? He, and he literally said, wake the F up. There's more to life than football. Hmm. And it's really, it's just really interesting to me because it, again, it's not going screw football, screw sports, take it all away. It's just going, just remember that there's a human being underneath this helmet, beneath this jersey. Yeah. And, and I think that's where we can start to shift perspective. But it's really important that we know that it's starting to pop up now on CNN or CNN, on ESPN, on TSN, um, that people are starting to talk about it more. And, you know, it, all the power to the athletes who bring it up because you know that um, the reporters aren't asking the questions to dig deeper to, into who they are. They're asking the surface questions like, what did it mean to you to score that touchdown? What did it mean to you? Like, but there's never like, who are you beneath all this? You know, if you took all this away, like what, what are you underneath all of that? Like there, there's no questions like that. And I'm not saying that there has to be, but I, that's what I'm saying. All the power to those athletes who bring it up and express that truth. Because what it does is it starts this fire all around the league, all around you know, North America, wherever it is that it's happening, where other people are going to go, oh my God, I feel the same thing. I'm going to express it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting in the NBA as well. Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan are starting to talk about mental health and uh, sports psychologist, Michael Gervais. He's, he's really participating in that conversation and, and helping guide it. Actually, Michael Gervais, one of his most recent podcasts is of them all talking together, which is incredible. And you get these athletes starting to share about how hard it is and how the fans and, and the culture really impact their mental health. And I can't even imagine what was going on with DeMar DeRozan if he was mentally unstable and then dealing with just the absolute depth of fans and scandals and issues in Toronto for the two years before he left. You know, there's just massive amounts of trips being laid on him and Lowry, which not saying is anybody's fault by any means, but, you know, the amount of stuff that he had to deal with, like we often forget that there's a human being there. And I think sports at a time now where we're, it's a, it, it's a, it's a circus, it's entertainment, right? And we kind of forget that there's these people there that are, that are living their lives for the entertainment of other people. Mm -hmm. It's a high stakes game, both from a money side, cause there's more and more money invested. And it's a high stakes game because there's a human being involved that may not be at the forefront of the conversation or it, it isn't and it hasn't been, but I think it, I think things are turning around. What's the future of this fence? What are you, what are you seeing right now? Um, what I do see is a, a spark of change. Um, what I have yet to see are, are systematic changes um, to help implement these things. 
Um, I think we're getting there. Like I, I know the NBA this year, they're implementing a mental health coach or two actually for every NBA team, which is, that's a big push. And it's not just a sports psychologist. This is like a mental health counselor that they're, they're hiring um, for each team. Um, so things like that are definitely going to help, but I, I think it's got to be a bigger thing and it's got to start from the bottom up and mm. the top down. Like, you know, it's got to be both directions um, because, you know, all of this, you know, it all connects. Like when we talk about um, the conditional love that pro athletes get, go to a, a kid's soccer game when they're four years old, parents are only clapping when they're kicking a ball or scoring. Yeah. So it's the exact same thing. It just looks different. And so it, it, this has got to be a life thing. You know, this has got to be a, a big change. And that's why I keep going and again, looping it back again. The answer to all of this is me, like not me, Vince, like, me listening, whoever's listening right now, you take care of yourself. You're going to take care of everybody else around you. Mm -hmm. You teach yourself how to love you. You're not going to rely on everybody else for validation. So then when someone's cheering, you're like, I'm not playing for that. I'm playing for my love of the game. I'm not playing for your love. And that's what our, my goal, my vision is to see all of these athletes play for the love of the game, not for their love, not for their self-worth. Mm -hmm. Because that's when we bring back the full, pure enjoyment, like recess enjoyment of sport, because you know, that's still possible. You know, Oh no, no, it's a business. It's a bit, no, like it, it is very possible to go back into that state of like pure joy and pure fun for the love of the game. And I think it's really important to identify here is just because something's competitive doesn't mean it can't be fun. Yes. Right. So we're, we're at this point now where it's like, oh, yeah, my son, he's nine and he plays for a travel team and he's training eight days a week. Like, OK, but where's their free play? Where's where's the break where they get to experience life as not just a little tiny adult playing an adult sport and trying to act like a pro athlete when they don't have the life skills to even calibrate at that level? They're just trying to pee in the urinal at school for the first time. Like. <laughs> <laughs> So fun is a, is something that's been kind of pushed out of the way for earlier specialization and, and playing and competing and training harder and having all of this try to get squeezed to younger ages. So free play is something that I truly believe there is space for. And there's a bit of a regenesis right now for free play. Um, you know, when you get young kids to play freely together, what happens? Man, it, it's a it's a beautiful thing, you know. Like watching watching kids play for the love of it is like that. Like that's the answer. Like that. That's that's when I say that's the answer. It's like think about it. Think about it. is there is there tension there? Is there stress there? Is there expectation there? Is there you know pressure? There's there's none of that. You know, because they're just playing, and and you know that's I I believe that's the point of life is to feel, to experience, to enjoy. You know, everything else is just it's just adding like it's adding stress to us. You know, and I I just when I watch kids now, it's like I, I'm watching the fun get sucked out of it. And this isn't every kid's sport, you know, like I, and it's not every kid's game that I see, but for the majority of games that I go to and observe. 
it, it's sad. Like the people who are on the outside watching the game are controlling the game. Mm-hmm. I just think it, I, I, cause it's so funny because for me now, like going back and playing like touch football now when I'm like, there's no pressure, there's nothing. I'm loving it. I'm still competitive. I'm still going for it. I do, keep in mind, I haven't played in a, a, almost a year, but I, I, when I compete, I'm still having fun. I'm still enjoying the sport. I'm still connecting with my teammates and playing. Like, I, I don't know, free, like I'm free. I don't know, man. Okay. Well, let's, let's make it so that we do know, like let's create three scenarios. Um, athlete, coach, and parent, we, we've touched upon all of them, but like, how can, how can we create a little bit of ownership? How can we get the ball rolling for each three of these characters or personas in this story? So for the athlete, how can we give the athlete a little bit more autonomy? How can we maybe give them either a tool or an example that lets them explore this a little bit more or take, take something to their team or to their coach to suggest something. Is there an activity? Is there an exercise? Is there something you can give an athlete that can create space for this? Um, the one that I always get athletes to do is um, what does this mean about me? So it's like uh, you split the page up into two and uh, top section, you list out what does it mean about me when I win? So you write it out like, you know, I'm good enough, I'm successful, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. And then in the second section, what does it mean about me when I lose? And the idea is to first observe, okay, what do you make it mean about you when you win and when you lose? And then knowing that those are conditions, it's like when I win, I feel this about myself. When I lose, I feel this about myself. Knowing that, you then, to detach from those, you go, what do I want to believe no matter what? So if it's like, I play for, you know what, I play for freedom or I play because I love it or something like that. The second you define that, like I am, like I am playing because of blank, you detach from that condition. And that's unconditional love is you going, I play, like, you know, I play for me. Or if it's, um, you know, I'm, I connect with people. I like, you know, whatever it may be, like, I'm amazing no matter what, like, defining your own belief when the second you define you're detaching from those meanings Mm -hmm. Um, but it's it's important the route there you can't just skip to the end and go oh i want to believe that i'm special or whatever it may be you have to understand what it means about you when you win and what it means about you when you lose and then the other thing to do is while you're doing that and this is the thing is coaches and parents can do this as well while you're doing that start circling the things that are like that are um, circle the things that are pushed on you by others that are expectations of others. Like I, I feel like I'm good enough when I win because my parents celebrate me when I win because they don't celebrate me when I lose, like whatever, whatever it may be, but start circling the things that come from others that are out of your control. And that it starts to give you some perspective on, you know, how do I take back my power within my sport? Because the thing is, like, people ask me all the time, they're like, oh, so you just work with athletes who are done playing their sport? I'm like, no, it's really important that we do this while they're in their sport so they have more clarity on it and more clarity on the things that they're chasing and the things that they're playing for within so that when it's gone, they know the roots of their tree. They know where the power comes from. Mm-hmm. And arguably, you know, short of 
earning a scholarship, short of earning money, it being an, an occupation, like fundamentally sport is that process. Sport is the process of finding out what matters to you, what's worth suffering for, seeing how much grit you have, how much perseverance you have, really testing character under pressure, all of these things. Like that's the game of sport, right? Mm-hmm. Is and so if you can flip the lens, then it's not about, well, what if sport ends? I'll be I'll be nothing or I don't know what I'll do. Is like I'm gonna train myself to be the things that matter most to me. And then when sport ends, because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, mm-hmm. I will then take all of those things that I trained that I know to be true in myself and bring those with me wherever I'm going. And if you're a world champion who identifies as a world champion only and you leave sport, you will have a massive void in your life and it will be challenging to replace whatever it was that you validated yourself through within sport. Whereas if you are a world champion who knows yourself, you just happen to be a world champion, Mm -hmm. you're going to transition. 100%. And that, that life after sport piece is something that really impacted me. You know, I didn't necessarily go through a, a depression or a tough time in, in a deep emotional way, but from a fulfillment standpoint, from a validation standpoint, like I, I moved into fitness because that, that was the low hanging fruit. That's what I was connected to in terms of, Hey, this is my body. This is what I can do. I can do this and I can help other people. But I immediately went into a game of, well, then I'm obviously correlated to how much weight I pull off the ground and how much I bench press. And that was a pretty shallow journey when I realized, wait a minute, what am I doing here? But I did it without thinking about it. All of a sudden I didn't, I just didn't identify that I had a void and I filled it with lifting weights and I got nothing against lifting weights. I love it. But that was how I love myself. Yeah. You know, hundred percent. So can we, although coaches and parents can use that exercise, is, is there a reframing of the conversation that we can bring up for the coach that allows us to have the coach think about this mindset, this way of thinking a little bit more, or to bring this into the team atmosphere or culture. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing that pops up when you say that is it's not what the, what your athletes, it's not what you think of your athletes. It's what your athletes think of themselves. Cause I had this conversation with someone the other day about how, um, you know, a coach can be like, you're amazing. You're amazing. You've got this, you've got this. But then when they don't have their coach, where's that validation coming from? And so this coach was in one of my sessions and she's like, um, what I do is I pull them aside and I, I wait until they tell me that they've got this or that they're amazing or that they're going to follow through. They're going to finish whatever she encourages them to say it themselves. And what she's doing is she's literally giving them power. But again, it goes back to control and trust, right? She trusts that they have the answers inside of them. Whereas some people need to control that they have the answers and only they have the answers. So if you're a coach listening to this, it's going, man, it's not, not man, it's anybody, but I just say, man, cause I get excited, but the, it's, it's not what you think of your athletes. It's what they think of themselves. So it's up to you to create the space for them to express, discover and define themselves within the vehicle of sport. Mm-hmm. Makes me think of, say, I, I am not what you think I am. I am what, 
I think of you what you think that I am. It's something complicated like that. Where we're, you know, it's, it's something hilarious like that. But I, I dig that. I dig creating space for that person to say it, to feel it, to believe it. Because once again, the, those three key words, this is a part of my coaching journey that I'm championing over here within cultures is love, belonging, and trust. You're, you're building a, first and foremost, you look internally with those things. So, so start inside first and then, then reflecting outside, you're getting them to love themselves and love the teammates around them and love the world. Two is they need to feel like they belong here, that, that they're, they're deserving. You know, if you're threatening, I, I'll, I'll cut you. Or if it's conditional, like if your stat isn't this way, you're cut off from the team, you know, it, making it more than that. And then your goal is to facilitate trust where they trust themselves. Not only do they trust you, but trust themselves to make a better decision on the court, not the right decision, because the second it's a right decision through the framework that you're presenting as a coach, then it's about you as a coach. So how are we evolving this conversation? We're breaking down sport in a way that they understand it and execute it and trust themselves. And then you start incrementally adding pressure and situations and competition over the span of their career where they're building a trust in themselves. Yes. How about for a parent, Vin? It's, it's a project that you and I had a while ago. We were going to create a, an audio series that the, the parent could play in the car on the way home, which arguably is one of the most impactful places where you as a parent are driving your child home after a game. Like that's, that's a very sensitive time. There's a lot of influence in that time because you're just coming off of a fresh loss or a win or, or something. So just as a parent to be very careful what you're validating and what you're creating a worthiness around or approval of, how would you structure a conversation for the parent? So Vince's headphones just died. So he's now talking through a different microphone. Pardon the change. Vince, you're right back at you for creating the conversation for, for parents. Yeah. So if I were to create guidelines uh, for parents, the number one thing would be only questions. And, you know, again, questions create space. And it's not questions for the sake of then throwing your answers at your kids. It's just asking questions. Why? How? What did you see? How did you feel? And what I love to tell parents and teachers is like the what they will see in their eyes, the how comes from their minds, but the why always connects back to the heart. And so the more we're able to ask them like the what and the how, but then bring it back to why, like, why did you do that? Or like, why did you say that? Or like, why did you feel that? It will always help them uh, feel because the whole purpose of this is not to be in our heads, right? Not to be constantly thinking and it's more to feel, to embody, to um, experience. So the more you can ask why, the more it brings them to the heart. Um, but you know, the, the other, the questions again, going back, like, asking about things that are within their control. The more that we can do that, the more you are empowering a human being because then they're going to realize that their answers are always within their control. Um, but if you start to ask questions about things that were out of their control, then that's when you, know, you start to get a little crazy, you feel pressure, expectation, uh, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and often the parent becomes attached to what they want for the child. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that, that expectation that a parent may be aware of or not be aware of closes the space off for, for that child to, to play from their own heart 
or, or their own love. Um, do you have a conversation or do you have a, a thought process around expectations and, and how to manage those? Um, yeah, I believe, you know, and, and you helped me realize this too, is to detach from expectation, we must define our own standard. Um, and what's really important, it's a good exercise too, is same thing, split up your page in half and on the top list, all the expectations that are placed upon you mm-hmm. And then in the second box, in the second section, you list all the standards you want to create for yourself and know that expectations are out of your control and standards are within your control. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will Im- immediately alleviate pressure because you're, you're letting go of, well, whether you want to or not, you can let go of the ex- expectations that are placed upon you. You can create your own standards that are defined by you. Like it's, yeah. it's for you and that's what gives you the power. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so much, I, I mean, like it's tough though. Like it's a lot easier said than done. Cause I know, you know, a, an athlete can be as empowered as they want, but they come home and they hear the same thing from their parents they hear the same thing from the coaches and it goes against what they want to believe for themselves. Mm-hmm. So I get it, but just know that that's a good test and it's a good um, resistance work, a mental resistance workout for you to practice these things. For sure. And there's um, a guy by the name of John O'Sullivan with changing the game project who just urges parents to say one thing and it's, I love watching you play. Mm-hmm. And when you give them unconditional love, and you just empower them to play where you don't love them more or less as a result of the outcome, mm-hmm. there's so much more space there. Mm-hmm. Man, these are some deep, deep things that are challenging to change in, in the culture of sport. Really, mm-hmm. really challenging. And the magnification of, of social media and you know, earlier specialization in the business of sport. You know, this is a bit of a counterculture conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's, it, beyond the culture of sports, the culture of the world, right? Like it's, right. you know, it's, it's, um, you know, the more we can harness it in a beautiful vehicle like sport, the more of an impact it has on the world mm-hmm. outside of sport. So, and we're hopeful, like we're here, we, we're yeah. seeing the change. We're being the change. Like I'm so excited for the opportunities that both you and I are getting respectively and i can't wait to collab in in person for some fire once again Vinny. but the opportunities that we're getting where organizations and coaches are starting to see the possibility of thinking this way it's it's so exciting man can you share a recent happening that really has meant a lot to you i've been having a lot of i've been running an online program and i had a um some former pro athletes in my sessions And the feedback that they gave me was like, you know, not the feedback, the testimonial, whatever you want to call it, like the experience, something that's shifted in their lives that they gave me. It was like, it was confirmation, not confirmation. It was like a celebration of everything that I've worked so hard to create. Um, And it was just all about like, you know, I've never looked at myself like this. You know, I've never knew that I've had this much power. I've never realized I've, you know, I had all the answers. I just had to, you know, define them. And like, it was literally everything that I've ever wanted to hear. And I heard it. And so it was just one of those things. It was just really cool. Um, And beyond that, like hearing kids, like, you know, in June, I I worked with a school and just hearing a kid, like, I learned how to love myself today. 
<laughs> it's like, that's the goal. Like that's the, that's it. That's the goal. Um, but yeah, I've been getting a lot of those. Like, and I get a lot of messages from people who like, I don't even know that they look at my stuff online and they'll just be like, you know what? Your, your posts make me think differently. I'm like, that's, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's all I hope to do, you know? And cause that's the whole thing is our perception is our reality. And if we can shift perception, we've shifted reality. Mm-hmm. So when, when I hear that, I get really excited and I get proud of myself because it's, it's been a long time coming, but it's, you know, we're starting to see the, the changes. And like we were talking about earlier in, in like in sport culture right now, these conversations are coming up and we've been talking about it for three years now. So it's, it's, it's just, again, external validation that our internal validation is reflecting, right? Well, good thing we didn't wait three years to validate ourselves. Man. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh man. Well, what's what's in the future here for for Vince and for Legacy Coaching? What are you up to? What what services are you offering, and how can people engage in in the Legacy Coaching? Yeah. So right now we have a very limited program, uh, the Legacy Masterclass, and it's going to start, uh, I believe, in the beginning of October. Um, but the application is on my Instagram. And uh, it's going to be two groups of 10 current and former athletes. Um, And you go through the entire curriculum that I've created. It's over, geez, what is it? It's like 28 hours of coaching in the course of three months. Um, It's a beautiful experience. You get to connect with like-minded individuals. And then uh, beyond that, I'm going to be working with a lot of teams, a lot of schools um, this this fall. Um, And just, uh, yeah, I have an online self-guided program if you if you don't want to immerse yourself in a in a in a group coaching program called the legacy lab and it's just online uh courses and uh, it's really cool it's just on your own time you can do it from your iphone your ipad your computer whatever and just it's basically journaling on steroids that's how i put it i like that i like that a lot well having presented with you done some meaningful, powerful work with you, having known you for now two and a half, three years. And you've been consistent, bro. This has been on your heart and you've, your dialogue hasn't changed. It's evolved and it's just gotten more rich and you've found your voice and your content, how you express yourself is it's your truth. And there's Mm -hmm. so much power in it. And it's just so exciting to see the impact that you're making in athletes lives and the the ripples that you're making within current culture, be it in Canada, be it in the States, you know, there's a lot of great things to come for, for you, bro. So I just want to celebrate you. you. You put a lot of life energy and force into this. I really appreciate that. I appreciate the external validation. <laughs> I do that. I mean, a lot coming from you. It feels nice though. It does feel it nice. Does, of course. That's what I'm saying. I feel, I feel it means a lot coming from you, you know, cause I've always admired who you are and, and what, what you do, but most importantly, like, you know, the, the, person that you consistently show up as and i think um for me i've always admired you i admired you um as a big brother and i know i have a big brother and i know he's going to be listening to this so. <laughs> what's up Dante? what's up Dante? <laughs> um but I, I just want you to know that because uh yeah it's, Thanks, it's reflected back so thank you well i, I didn't know if there's going to be space on this conversation for this but let's let's do it because this is this is real human shit right here we've both lost our fathers in in recent years and it's a created some space for you and i to connect 
at a deeper level and to just check in with each other with regards to losing the, the, the male figure in our lives that's been just so important and formative. Um, I, I don't know if there's a share there or, or what to talk about with regards to it, but just want to acknowledge that having you there to support me with that has been incredible and to have seen how you handled it and how you've, you create a space for you to feel it and experience mm -hmm. it, not shut it off was, was really important for me. And it's, it's the thing that's just challenged me most in my life. <laughs> Nothing in sport compared to, to that. And we both lost our, our dads fairly, fairly suddenly. Um, is there something that that lesson of, of losing your father taught you that you want to share with anybody? Yeah, I think um, expressing truth. Um, you know, if I'm feeling something, if I'm about to cry and I'm in front of people, like letting it out rather than keeping it in. Because, you know, whenever it comes up, I always get some type of tear, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's the one that runs off the side of my face, the middle of my face, you know, or just comes out. Um, but it's it's really important that, you know, especially as men, you know, we're not taught to express our true emotion. You know, there's a lot of, you know, look at pro athletes now when they coach, when they, when they coach, when they're in a press conference and they start to cry, the first thing that they say is sorry. Why should we ever apologize for how we feel ever? Yeah. And so it, this experience has taught me so much in terms of it being okay, number one, to cry, but to feel, to express, to share, to, you know, communicate all of that. Um, I just think it's a beautiful thing to feel because that's the only way you can heal is to feel. Mm -hmm. If listeners were to look at the hashtag live like Joe on the internet right now, yeah. what's that about? Uh, it's my, the hashtag we created for my dad after he passed. Um, just like family pictures, pictures with friends, like how he would live like with meals and just happiness and, unconditional love and um so we just always use that hashtag when we're you know at an event where we feel him or you know we feel his presence um but yeah that's that's a big one for us you recently had an incredible speech on a public platform and and you won the judge's choice it's beautiful beautiful talk um i don't necessarily want you to have to speak it verbatim here but there was a there was a lesson that came through that 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 you wanted to express. Can you can you just share the lesson of that talk? Mm -hmm. um, we come here into life as love, and we leave as love. Everything that we carry in between is an identity, and um, everything we're seeking is everything that we already are. Um, it's just important for us to take the time to lift up all of our titles, labels, and accomplishments to see what exists underneath. Beautiful, man. <laughs> how did, how, how did you come to that conclusion through, through your, your main man, Joe? Yeah, he, I mean, he taught me what, um, he taught me what love was like in its purest form. Um, just like always being there for someone always accepting them for who they are and just like the, the word always like the unconditional love. Um, that's what he taught me. And um, it was cool because I, I was able to walk him through an exercise that I created. Who are you? And he, when he got down to his answer, he, 
defined himself as love. And that was my answer as well. And it was just really interesting of like who he was is who I am mm-hmm. and it just looks different. Um, but that's, that's why, you know, and it connects back to all the stuff we talked about. It's like who you're being has the greatest impact on the world rather than what you're saying, you know, even what you're doing sometimes it's what, who you are being. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, he taught me what love was. And I, I, I was, you know, I learned how to direct that love directly to myself. Um, you know, and just, the yeah, it's a tough talk about that yeah in in my dad's celebrational life i shared that i i know love because he showed me love mm-hmm. and you talk about your dad showing you you know my dad embodied it in, in in kind of working through the affairs after we found my dad's position paper written in 1995 to the juvenile delinquent justice of peace in, in British Columbia. So my dad worked for a juvie center and he wanted to reform the process of juvenile delinquents. And he believed in so much more than just incarceration. And one of the things that he said is that you can't rehabilitate someone if they've never been habilitated. And by that, he means how does someone know love if they've never experienced and felt and seen love. And many of these young men were simply seeking love, but they'd never received it. And how they went about seeking love was simply destructive. Mm -hmm. And, but that was how they taught themselves. That was the game that they played to win and earn love. And Mm -hmm. so he, within that position paper, he went through his entire process of thinking and I read it and realize that's how he raised me mm-hmm. and we we know it because they gave it to us man that's it yeah okay well let's let's cap it off there love you man love you too appreciate you thanks for thanks for sharing thanks for moving the dial forward on all of this and we're making a difference bro of course i don't where doubt can, it where can people find you on the interwebs uh, Instagram at the legacy coaching, Facebook, the legacy coaching, um, website, the legacy um, and Vince Luciani anywhere else. Beautiful. Look into it. Thanks for listening. Thanks Vinny. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you and the time that you put into this. I always do my best to bring you as much value as possible through these conversations. And in return, I'd love it if you were to give this podcast five stars on iTunes or share it with any friend, parent, coach, teammate, someone that you love, someone that you think would gain value from listening to this conversation. The goal really is to empower the individual. Yes, this is about performance, but can we all become better human beings before we enter whatever that peak performance is. So thank you once again for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.